0: It up and welcome to cars yeah show number 1,284
1: showing up you know if you show up you give fate a chance to happen
0: this is cars yeah where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts mark green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration so get in sit down buckle up and get ready for a wild ride here on cars yeah Hello automotive enthusiasts, I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from beautiful Plano, Texas, Jack Griffin. Hey Jack, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Ready for the ride. All right. Jack Griffin is the president of Garages of Texas, a property where automotive enthusiasts own their own space. Garages of Texas provides owners a luxury garage suite that is an optimal place for their cars and themselves, a perfect place for both men, women, and machine. Jack has over 40 years of experience in real estate development, brokerage, and motorsports. For 12 years, he was a partner in charge of developing suburban office building properties for Texas for Trammell Crow Company, developing over 2 million square feet of office buildings. Motorsports has always been a passion, his passion, including touring, collecting, restoring, and racing old cars. He's raced at venues including Daytona, Sebring, Le Mans, Mossport, Road America, and many other tracks around the world. Jack's collection has been featured in magazines, and he is a passport member of his local Porsche club. And you can see Jack with me on the Cars Yeah! TV show. So, Jack, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little more about your career and a very obvious passion that you have for automobiles?
1: Absolutely, Mark. Good morning. I've uh, really been a gearhead all my life. My, my dad was an auto mechanic. And so it's hard to know exactly when I became a gearhead because I've always been a gearhead. You know, as you mentioned, I had a, a career uh, developing office buildings and, and I did a fine job. It was, it was a good thing to do at a young age, but cars have always been my passion. And so even though I could do the real estate development, I really always loved cars. And so uh, as soon as I could, uh, I bought my first Porsche and the rest is history. And so that grew into, you know, quite a few more cars over the years, mostly Porsches, a few Ferraris here and there, a few Jaguars, but uh, so I'm basically, uh, really more of a Porsche guy. The thing that's the most fun that I do now is involved in the development of these garage communities. I'm the co-founder of Garages of Texas. Uh, Fred Gans, uh, Sean Gans, and Mark Scott and I, we are developing these garage communities, which are like boat marinas for car guys. All over Texas, we have nine projects going, and uh, it's uh, far more than a place to store your cars. It's a lifestyle, and many of the people are here seven days a week in their garages, and you know, I, I'd call them man caves. Uh, we have one lady cave. But, uh, we have our cars, we socialize together and, uh, it's, it's the evolution of the car hobby. The car hobby is, is evolved from an activity to a legitimate hobby like tennis, uh, golf. And, and so we're providing the real estate for that hobby to happen. And it's really exciting.
0: You know, this is really cool. I love this story because it's a way to combine your vocation, if you will, into your avocation. In this case, you've done it in a wonderful marriage. And uh, so exciting to come down there and be with you, and, and shoot a CarGia yeah! TV show with you as well, and get to see all this in person. Uh, I wish you were here in my back door. I'd love to have one of your man caves too. But uh, maybe one day you'll move over here to the state of Washington. Uh, I just love what you're doing. This is fantastic. Happy to bring your story to the Karja yeah! audience. As we continue on your journey, though, Jack, I want to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is. Some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah, so Jack, I know you love to drive, so take the wheel.
1: Absolutely, you know, I've actually been asked to be a speaker at a number of events to talk about how some of the you know kind of crazy things that I've uh, not crazy but driving race cars, things like that, without a without that kind of background, and 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 I've you know had to kind of do some some soul-searching myself, like, you know, how did that happen? And I can trace it back to one thing, and that is showing up. You know, if you show up, you give fate a chance to happen. I, I can trace back uh, driving at Lamar. Mans. Uh, it wasn't necessarily because I was this great driver that got discovered or anything like that. I showed up, and it just happened. And I, I, I could not have made it happen. But uh, anyway, if you don't show up, fate won't happen. So, I've been very fortunate in my life to have a number of really uh, exceptional experiences and it really is about showing up. And a lot of a lot of people, you know, for whatever the reason, they don't do that and they miss out on a lot of opportunities.
0: You know, I love this. And my dad was originally from Texas. He grew up on a farm where hard work and ethic and morals are the epitome of who you are. Your Your word, your name is what you do and how you act, and and I'd love to evolve this mantra of yours, just showing up, into a, a, another question I have for you. But first, you know, my dad always said, you know, a key part to being successful is exactly that: get to work on time. Better yet, get there before the boss does, and don't leave till the boss leaves. Act like you own the business. Be there, be present. I would love for you. And there's probably a big long story here. We don't have time for the whole thing. But I, you know, you're a guy that showed up at Le Mans. And you raced in '84. <laughs> In 85. How did that come to be? There had to be a little bit more than just showing up.
1: You know, Mark, that's the ca- kind of amazing, crazy story. Uh, I actually showed up at a party, a, a New Year's Day party in 1983, and ran into a friend, uh, I'm more of an acquaintance, and we got to talking about cars. And I knew that uh, he had been uh, racing for a number of years. And he invited me to go to the Daytona 24 hour in, in about three weeks to watch him race, and, and so I did, and I, you know, again, I showed up, went to Daytona, watched him race, toward the end of the weekend, he said, what do you think, and I said, looks like fun to me, and he said, well, if you want to do it, we have a car you can drive, the next race is the 12 hours of Sebring, I thought, well, sure, that sounds fun, so I had to get a license, went to Bondurant driving school, Came home on Sunday and left Wednesday to race in the 12 hours of Sebring, having never set foot in a race car before my, in my life. So, over the next several months, I drove in like five races and he had a chance to drive at Le Mans the next year, 84. I went along with him strictly to be in his pit again. And turns out there was a French team that needed a driver. It was the, the day before the, or the times before the uh, internet. And I, somewhat embellished my experience by a great deal, (laughs) and all of a sudden, I was signed up to drive this French prototype in the 24 Hours of Le Mans, having never driven a prototype before and so forth, and so it just fell in my lap. But here again, had I not shown up, my life and my experiences would be totally different.
0: Oh my gosh, uh, that story is absolutely, and of course, these days, you, it would never happen because of the rules and regulations and proof of, you know, where's your racing license and all that, but I, I mean, this is an insane story, and I'm so glad you shared it, uh, it's just fabulous, I love it. Just show up, yeah, kids out there, just show up, be participate, get there, get up early, show up, you never know where you may end up, wonderful story. I'd love for you to share another story with me that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you look back that you knew you were going to be a car guy?
1: I, I would say that, like I said, I, I grew up. My dad had an auto repair shop, and I was in his shop, you know, at, at a young age. I never really learned to, to work on cars, particularly, but I was around them all the time, and and I just, but I think I was in my late teens, and and I, I was particularly interested. And having my car look great all the time. And I realized that my car, the way it looked, the way it ran, affected my mood. I was in a good mood if my car looked good and ran good. And to this day, I love doing my own car detailing and so forth like that. And it makes me feel good mentally when my car looks great. Now, that a lot of people would not understand that. But a lot of people may not be aware of that either. And it probably affects a lot of people the same way.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I'm I'm grinning because I'm exactly the same way, and all my friends who know me are laughing at this right now because they're like, well, that sounds like Mark. I mean, I, I my car has to be clean all the time. And a little sidebar here, I, I had a great pre-show chat here with Jack. Turns out we have some very interesting backgrounds that cross over a bit, and he's a distributor for Griot's Garage products. Uh, I worked at Griot's Garage for 20 years, helped develop all those products, and the fact that he's so fond of those, and those are products that I created I think is absolutely mind-boggling here uh, as we all run into each other. But the more people I talk to, the smaller the world gets. So uh, thank you for selling those products for so many years and for keeping your cars clean. And of course, seeing that being there at your facility, uh, yeah, I can tell you Jack is just like me. He's a nutcase when it comes to having clean cars. Ah, this is so much fun. Well, let's take a look down another road and talk about a big challenge or a big failure you face. Because these are wonderful opportunities to learn. They may not be so fun when we're going through them, but I would love for you to tell us how that particular experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward in your career and your business and your life. So take us there.
1: Well, I'd say that uh, in one aspect of my, I guess, all of my experiences, you know, motorsports has been a huge part of my life and, and the opportunity to drive Race cars on an international level has just been a, an incredible experience. However, my very first race, as I mentioned, I went to Bondra uh, driving school, got a license. Next weekend, I raced in the 12 hours of Sebring. Now, that's not a real smart way to get involved in racing, really. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and as it turned out, and I, and I was very naive, I thought it looked pretty easy from the pit. You know, they're just driving and turning and so forth. And uh, so the first race, 12 hours of seabring I drove a Porsche, belonged to my friend. And after 15 laps, I stuffed it into a concrete wall. As you can imagine, the thoughts running through my mind, like what in the world have I done? I have ruined the car, totaled the car, and fortunately didn't get hurt. But it's like, what did I think? I? Who did I think? Who did I think I was? And right. and what a big mistake this was. Now, it would have been awfully easy to, to walk away and say, you know what? I'm cutting my losses. I've tried it. I'm done. I'll never, you know, there was a bad idea. You know, there was something that said, you know, I I can't end it this way. I've got to at least finish a race. So, um, my next race was, uh, a race at Daytona, actually, the Paul Revere 250, which began at midnight. So, my intention was, if I could finish it, then I'm done. You know, I I can at least say that I didn't end up, you know, uh, wrecking my race car. So, I drove in the Paul Revere 250, ended up finishing, and I was so excited about finishing. I was so hooked. I bought the race car that I drove, and I was totally on board. And from yeah. then on, I could have walked away from that Sebring uh, incident, and and that would have totally ended my motorsports experiences. But instead, you know, forging on, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the next step. Drove Daytona, finished it. And then off we go, ended up driving in a bunch of races and drove at Le Mans and so forth. And to some degree, it really shaped my uh, enthusiasm for motorsports.
0: Uh, it's a wonderful story. Uh, not so good crashing into a wall, but I'm just I'm I'm in awe here that you even did that because, oh, my gosh, those are some serious races. But the best part of this comes with the hundreds of racers I've interviewed. Just last week, I interviewed Alexander Rossi who's an ex-F1 driver, IndyCar driver. And every race car driver I've had on the show has this same comment. You never, ever, never, ever give up, no matter what. And you are a racer at heart, Jack, because you didn't give up. You didn't walk away from that crash. You said, you know what? I'm going to get back in the saddle. You're a good Texan, right? And I'm going to get on that horse and do it again. So, Oh my gosh, you are you are an amazing guy, I'll tell you that. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and I want to talk about your first special car because you've had some really cool cars. You're a Porsche guy, I'm a Porsche guy, so I think that's why I love you so much. But what what was the first one you got? Maybe the first time you were able to save up and get yourself something special or maybe it was the first car you had in your life, I don't know. But walk us through what that was and share a special memory you have about that ride
1: absolutely you know i grew up and I, I we didn't have much money and and we i didn't have enough money for a special car and uh uh or at least uh, the 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 kind of car that i would like and so to me at the time and my perspective is is greatly changed over the years but i bought a brand new 1969 Carmen gear coupe and i'm telling you uh in there at that time they had some kind of special little exhaust that sounded a little more aggressive and in my mind I was driving a race car when I was driving that sixty nine Carmen Gear. I was a new fairly newly married a guy and I had my Carmen Gear and boy life was good. And we drove my wife and I, we drove that Carmen Gear to Washington, DC and back and I, I think that was before I could even afford a credit card. I think the you know, I may have spent two hundred and fifty or three hundred dollars the whole trip. But it was a great little little ride And then, and then X number of years later, as as my situation evolved, my first Porsche was a 1970 914 6, which I still own Uh, 43 years later. I still own it. Yeah. And so that was was the first step into the Porsche world. And then over the years, I probably owned 40 or 50 different Porsches. At one time, I had 16 at one time, and that was too many because. It really became a headache keeping them all running and so forth. So I I have seven now, some uh, vintage ones and a couple of of newer ones. And, uh, yeah, I just just love them all. And the great thing is in my garage, the garage that I'm in seven days a week, I get to look at my cars every day, all day, which is great.
0: Well, I can tell listeners his cars are exceptional. And here's something else you and I share here, Jack. My first special car was a 67 Carmen Gia. I kid you not. Uh, was in high school, uh, saved up, bought that car, restored it with a friend of mine and drove that car all the way through college. Uh, yeah, love that low car. I called it my poor man's Porsche. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've owned and let go that you really wish you had back? Cause you've sold a lot of cars.
1: That is absolutely true. And I think about it all the time. When I was racing, I mentioned that uh, uh, I was so excited about finishing race that I bought the race car, and it was it was a '74 911 RSR. It was a factory oh. factory RSR. So bought the car, you know, spare parts, spare engines, spare everything, and then after three years of racing, I decided that I'd done everything I could ever fantasize about. So I sold it, and I and I got out of racing. That car, if if I had that car just the way I, was, I raced it sitting in my garage. I would be so fantastic. Of course, it's gone up in value by a exponential amount over the years right. because it was a real special car. And, and prior to my owning it, it had some significant race history. John Paul uh, owned the car at one time and various people uh, drove it. But right. uh, that I would love to have that car in my collection, never mind what it's worth now. It would just be great to look at and great memories.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. An RSR. Oh, geez. One of the holy grails. Absolutely. Well, do, do you know by any chance where that car happens to be today? Because it's got to be somewhere.
1: Well, I I have actually it, it, one time, uh, well, the, the fellow that I sold it to, a fellow named Tom Linton, who now lives in Santa Fe, Tom and I still stay in touch. And he, he kept it for several years. And it ended up in the Blackhawk Museum at one point. And as someone, uh, there was a journalist that did a story about the car who, con- who contacted me and I gave him my thoughts and so forth. And I have been told that that car sold at an auction at Monte Carlo last fall for 1.2 million. And uh, wow. I don't know who bought it, but I suspect possibly someone in Europe. But yeah, uh,
0: yeah, well. I hope it's out on the track again someday in a vintage circuit. That would be pretty cool to see it again. But yeah, very, very much a special, special car. Well, I would love for you to share a little bit more with our listeners about garages of Texas. This is an absolutely cool idea. I've had several guests on the show from different cities in the country that do very similar types of developments where people who love cars have a place to go and store their extra cars because lots of times if they have more than three or four, their house won't hold them all. Uh, This is a place to have camaraderie. So tell our listeners a lot more about Garages of Texas.
1: Absolutely. It's so exciting. So we build these garage communities, various numbers of garages depending on the location. Our first one was in Plano, Texas, 69 garages behind security gates. It's a lifestyle. You know, it's a place to keep your cars. It's a place if you want to use it as entertaining. You hang out with your car buddies. We have beer and pizza night every Tuesday night. Every one of our projects has a clubhouse, and so we gather at the clubhouse to watch races, socialize, and so forth. We have lunch together every Monday at this particular community. And each community has a just a multitude of great car guys. We all get together. We have monthly events called Garages and Gearheads having coffee, and uh, as a matter of fact, we're having one uh, this this coming Saturday. But uh, so we have we plan a lot of events. Gatherings of car guys and so forth, but really, we're addressing the evolution of the car hobby and as I previously said, you know the car hobby twenty years ago was a few car clubs here and there, and maybe gathering at a Starbucks or something like that. but no one had really put their arms around the activity of the car and and it's become a real hobby, and we're addressing that evolution and you know we're we're creating the dedicated facility. So that people can, can enjoy their cars, just like golf or tennis or whatever. Uh, instead of doing those other things on the weekends, they're up here in their garage talking to each other and socializing. And, you know, it's like a pool. It's like a pool table. How much fun is that by yourself? So if you have a big garage at home, <laughs> you know, it's like a pool table. You know, if you're there alone, it's only fun if you can it with other people. Now, you know, right. we love to show off our cars but we really call it sharing. You know, we don't call it showing off. We call it sharing. You know, it's just like uh, art. We share Mm -hmm. our art, other people, and so forth with like-minded people. So, so we have two completed projects that are, and we tend to sell out before construction's even complete. And these are condominium owned. These are, you own them in a condominium ownership. Uh, So it's not a matter of renting, and get nothing for your rent. It, you know, you actually own it and you, it's available to you 24 seven. And, uh, it's, it's gone over extremely well. And so we have two completed projects and seven projects under construction throughout the state of Texas. We have uh, reserved, uh, garages of America and we plan to spread our brand as far as we can because it, wow. there's an unserved market and we're going to be there to serve it.
0: Ah, oh, This is so exciting. I love it. And being able to visit this facility has been absolutely fantastic as well. I think it's great. It's wonderful. It's perfect. It's exactly what car people need. And the fact that it's also an investment, not just money out, but you own the space. You can sell it in the future if you need to do it uh, or split it with somebody, whatever it might be. I think it's really, really cool. Garages of Texas, make sure you check out the website. If you're lucky enough to be in Texas, you can visit uh, Jack up there and check out what they're doing or any of the cities they're moving into. Just go to their website. You'll see all the future projects that are coming up. Jack, up next is the last lap before we put the pedal to the metal. Let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right. 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. karja.com hey Mark green here from the karja yeah podcast did you know you can now see me on the karjaat yeah TV show that's right Karja yeah is now on Mav TV I visit some of the past karyaak yeah guests and take you along for the ride go to MavTV.com to learn more where you can enjoy karja yeah TV Mav TV is also available on Directv, Fubo TV FiOS by Verizon or you can stream it through Mavtv.com online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, Jack, we are back, and I have a very introspective question for you. If Jack woke up tomorrow and he was a car in the garages of Texas, parked in a garage, what would Jack be and why? I think
1: what would be what I would like to be
0: would be a
1: 73-74 vintage 911 RS light lightweight nimble powerful and so much fun to enjoy it's all about the fun
0: (laughs) another holy grail car most absolutely for collectors especially porsche collectors the 73 rs carrera is just a fantastic fantastic car i i missed a chance to buy one of those years ago i don't even want to talk about it because it makes me feel sick to my stomach it was a reach for me at the time but not like the reach it would be now uh to dump that kind of money into a car but uh Uh, Sometimes you miss them. Sometimes you miss them. Well, Jack, we are now entering the last lap. This is a place you've been many times. The white flag is out. Time to put your foot into it. And I'm going to ask you a series of questions and have you give our listeners some quick blips of that RS Carrera throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive or racing advice you've ever received?
1: Well, I I would say doing homework. You know, it's like people ask me all the time, you know, should I buy this car? Should I buy that car? I say, look, you do your homework and you'll know the answer. You know, go on forums yeah. and and talk, to, join clubs, talk to people, ask a lot of questions. You, you just got to do your homework. You can't just go out there and buy something.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is another thing that makes you a true racer, Jack. Many a race is won before the car even gets to the track, and that's in preparation, doing your homework. So very good advice. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years?
1: Well, as I mentioned before, showing up, you know, and engaging, you know, it's like, I'm a pretty social kind of guy. And even though, you know, some things I may not know something about something, if you show up and engage, you'll learn, you'll walk away with a lot of experience.
0: Absolutely. Now, how about a resource? There are wonderful resources for us car folks out there. Is there one in particular you'd like to share?
1: Well, you know, there's there's one that, that really is kind of interesting. And I actually am uh, been friends with the founders of this of this thing, uh, Ferrari Chat. And, of course, a lot of people would say, oh, that's about, yeah, I don't own a Ferrari. Well, they have forums for all kinds of different car brands and so forth. But it's just a really wide-reaching forum and, um, it's really entertaining and I've learned a lot about it. I'm actually in the Ferrari club as well, uh, just because I love the Ferrari people as well as the Porsche people. But Ferrari yeah. chat is really a, a great, uh, uh, a great thing to, uh, pay attention to.
0: Oh, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I've heard that from some of my past guests who are into Ferraris, some that race Ferraris just or collectors. It is a wonderful resource, great way to meet people too and to learn a lot of things. Now, if I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be?
1: That's an easy one, Steve McQueen. What, what an icon! And I, I'll never—you know—I watched the movie Lamar, you know, over and over and so forth. And I'll never forget the the first time, my, my very first time that I was strapped into the, the French prototype at racing in 1984. Uh, I looked up in the clock that's in the opening scenes of the movie Lema was right above my head. And boy, what a chilling experience that was.
0: Oh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine that going, man, I'm here. Pinch me, please. I've had Chad McQueen, uh, Steve's son, on the show twice here. So if you miss those shows, go back and listen. And he talked in the first, the first chat I had with him about his experiences going to Le with his dad when they were filming that uh, movie and all the crazy things that were happening during that filming. Of course, we've heard the stories and everything. It was quite a challenging uh, venture. And I even had the prop master as a guest on the show for that. And at the end of that film, he said everybody was so unhappy about everything because it was just a tough movie to make. They didn't even have a wrap party. Everyone just left. And Steve told the prop master, you know what, all this stuff you got, you can have it. I don't want to have anything to do with any of this stuff. And he ended up with a warehouse full of things that, of course, later were worth quite a bit of money. He's since sold it all off, but I think he's kept a few things to himself. But That must have been absolutely incredible. Now, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, there's a book that's probably not
1: uh, widely circulated. I kind of heard about it by somewhat accident, but it's actually, it's about Steve McQueen and the spiritual side of Steve McQueen. It's very interesting, Um, and it's called Steve McQueen, The Salvation of an American Icon by Greg Laurie, and it's about uh, kind of Steve's, a lot about his life and a bit about his last days and, and uh, his thoughts and, and so forth. And he actually died holding a Bible that Billy Graham had given him, which most people, I would have never guessed that, but it's a very interesting book. That side of Steve McQueen. Wow.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I, I've i got to get my hands on that. I didn't know that either. I mean, a lot of people think of Steve McQueen as kind of a wild man or chasing women and all the stuff that sure. he did, yeah. uh, not to mention just going out there and living life to its fullest, but that is very interesting. Well, I'll make sure I put a link to that book on Jack's show notes page for all you listeners. Uh, just go to com. type in Jack Griffin, or you can go to another great place on the website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book and way over a thousand books are listed by all my past inspiring automotive enthusiasts. I've made it really easy for you to do a quick click to buy. All right, Jack, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question, it can be a bit of a doozy for a guy who's had a lot of cars and has a lot of cars. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. Doesn't matter who owns it, where it is, that old RSR, I'm going to get it for you and park it in your garage. But there's a couple... Tough parts to this question. Rules, if you will. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. You have to drive it, which I don't think is a problem for you. No garage queens allowed here at Cars Yeah, but here's the kicker. It's the only collector car you can have in your garage. What would you like?
1: Mark, I have several cars. I, I have everything from a 55, 356 to a, a new GT3, but but one that I absolutely could not, could never live without, is my 85 Carrera. It's uh, enough old school, but also so reliable and bulletproof. You can drive it at at, at higher speeds. It's just a really all-around fun. I I just don't think it's air-cooled. You just can't beat it.
0: Well, you know, I smile big when my guests say they already have the car they want, mainly because I don't have to buy a car today because I bought an awful lot of cars over the last five years. But I think this is pretty cool that you have the car that you really love and that you picked a car that isn't something super fancy or super expensive or super rare, but it's just something that brings smiles to your face. Uh, As you may know, I've got an 87 Porsche Turbo, um, and I've had a lot of 911s over the years, but there's something about that era of Porsche that just kind of brings it all together, the old It was kind of getting to be newer, wonderful to drive. Not the fastest car on the block, but that's okay. It doesn't really need to be. Um, So I'm thrilled that you have that 85 in your garage. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Jack, you have taken me on a very enjoyable ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your journey and for being a guest on the Cars Yacht TV show that uh, listeners can go and view at MAV TV or now. We're on Lucas Oil Racing Television streaming. You can find the Cars Yacht TV show. Jack, could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that beautiful 85 Porsche Carrera?
1: Absolutely, Mark. My, my, uh, my thing is fun, you know. And uh, I, I think the, the key is to have the most fun that you can And treasure your relationships, whether they're family or friends or both, obviously. Relationships and and having fun, that's really what it's all about. You know, money's great. Cars are great. A lot of cars are great. But you got to enjoy them. And I, I have a number of friends who have a lot of cars and they work too hard to enjoy them. You know, have fun. Life
0: is short. Absolutely. And I cherish the new friendship I have with you, Jack. It's been absolutely wonderful getting to know you better. Thank you for your hospitality, for allowing us to visit your shop out there in Plano. It's absolutely brilliant for the Cars Yeah TV show and for having this great conversation with me. And again, listeners, you can find everything Jack has shared on his very own Cars Yeah show notes page. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Jack Griffin. And make sure you check out Garages of Texas. I mean, absolutely brilliant project that he's working on. Really, really cool. And a shout out to Michael Kist. He's the one who introduced me to Jack. It wouldn't have happened except for Michael. So, Michael, thanks for the kind introduction. Thank you, Jack, for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your wonderful experiences with the listeners and with me. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you. Down the road.
1: Mark, thank you so much. It has been really an enjoyable experience. I really enjoyed getting to know you as well and look forward to spending more time together
0: on the road. (laughs) You bet. Take care. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments?